Hi, everybody. It's Carrie Freitas with the Interesting People I Know podcast. I had to add the I know because there are a lot of interesting people podcasts because there are a lot of interesting people, but these are people I know. And even if I don't know them well, I'm still going to know them. I happen to know this guest, I would say fairly well, very well. Very well. She says very well, which makes me feel really good. Um, her name is Jennifer Friend. And I'm not kidding. Her last name is Friend. And it's very apropos because she's a friend to so many, including me. Um, and Jennifer Friend is the CEO of Project Hope Alliance. And um, we're going to talk today about the issue of homelessness, which is a huge issue, I think largely misunderstood in some ways, in probably many ways. Um, and largely, I think, either underreported or just not um, seen for the, the issue it is, especially in Orange County, which blows my mind. Um, because we live in this bubble of affluence or perceived affluence. And then, you know, you find out about like one in six kids or some crazy stat that Jennifer will um, fact check for me or knows by heart um, is living, you know, homeless or in poverty. So um, without further ado, welcome Jennifer Friend from Project Hope Alliance. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'll come anywhere you ask me to go. Really? That's yes. good to know. I won't yes. abuse that privilege. <laughs> I'm like not going to call you to a dark alley late at night to do some crazy might be stuff. Fun, though. I, don't I know. know. Well, we were talking to Murphy in the pre-show about like 80s music, yes. so maybe we need to just have like an 80s rave for like 50-year-olds. <gasps> you're not 50 yet. Oh, I will be very soon. Okay, good. So once you're 50, yes. Um, we'll plan that That'd and we'll awesome. do a rave just with Nero music. Yes, and for, if you don't know what Nero is, you can't come. And you have to wear your eyeliner on the eyeliner inside of your in eye. In the waterline, in including the, water the men. Yes. So Murphy, get ready for that. I know that bothered you in the days, but you can get <laughs> used to doing the eyeliner. Um, so, okay, let's talk about homelessness. I, I want to I wanna talk about it. Can we start macro? Like, yes. do you know, like, and I the stats like in this country how many people are homeless or how do they report and track homelessness in our country well one of the things kind of going back to misperceptions is that there's a perception that homelessness is kind of one homogeneous category okay and there really are subcategories within homelessness so project hope specifically is focused on children and youth homelessness. Okay. Um, and one of the challenges we have in America is that we have two different definitions of homelessness that our own government is using. Okay. Which makes it really hard for us to agree on how many people are actually experiencing homelessness in America. Interesting. Okay. So HUD, which okay. provides all the money for housing. Housing or urban development. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their definition of homelessness is you have to be literally unsheltered okay so, so literally no roof over your head right. so okay. if you're if you've got like five families that are living in a one-bedroom apartment with only one person on the lease no one's homeless that lives in that place okay but we as we'll probably get into could talk about them being functionally homeless i mean 100 okay. which is why our education system in america every single school considers anyone who is living in a motel, who's living in a shelter, who's living doubled or tripled up, mm -hmm. or who is also literally sleeping on the streets or a park, is homeless because they have no permanent, safe, stable housing. Okay, so it's about stability of housing. Yeah, and what happens is, what we find at Project Hope, our public education system in Orange County says we have over 28,000 children. Oh my gosh. In K through 12, just in Orange County, experiencing homelessness. But their parents aren't considered homeless by our federal government under HUD. So there are literally no resources to help them get stably housed. So we have families like mine growing up yep. here in Orange County of six, living in a motel room, paying for motel rent because they can't get any type of assistance to get that into- first and last that's and right. that piece. That's right. And so even at Project Hope, over 72% of our parents are fully employed. But if you have trash credit because you got evicted- Right. And you don't have money for first and last because you make a minimum wage. Right. And you're living hand to mouth or That's paycheck right. to paycheck. There's no way that you can get enough money to move into an apartment. And one thing that I know personally, but I also know because of the families we're privileged to walk alongside, it's incredibly expensive to be poor. 
it costs you more to live in a motel. Yeah. So you think about if you are broke and so you can't pay your electric bill. Okay. You get a fine attached to your electric bill. So now let's say your electric bill was $40 and you were making a decision between paying your electric bill or buying $40 worth of food food. for your Mm -hmm. family of four and you bought the food. In order to get your electricity back on, it's going to cost you about $50 because there's now been a fine. And there's some like reach, like turn on fee or something. That's exactly right. Activation. That's exactly right. And so now you have someone living in poverty paying more for their electricity than than someone someone who has money. Is there any effort being made on the, and this, by the way, this interview will jump all over the place because that's how my mind works. So thanks for humoring me. Um, Is there any effort being made on the federal level, the national level to redefine homelessness so that we can get assistance to these families? There actually is. And our state representatives here in California have all signed off in support of it. Um, Congress has passed it. It's called the Every Student Succeeds Act. Okay. And what it says is that the definition of homelessness needs to match the definition of homelessness that our public education system is using. Fantastic. So that we can actually be upstream, proactive, and make sure that our kids experiencing homelessness today don't have to experience homelessness as an adult. So you break the cycle. That's right, because going back to the stats, so what we know nationally is that 1.3 million children in America's public school system, K through 12, we're not even talking about college, which has been all over the news, especially here in California, 1.3 million children in America's public school system are experiencing homelessness, and those are the ones that are counted. So there's got to be way more that we don't know. Oh, even my gosh. Know. Really? So those of us that, are, that kind of do this for a living say it's at least double. For sure. But yep. we know 1.3 million. Okay. We also know that youth experiencing homelessness are 87% more likely to drop out of high school than housed high school kids. But not having a high school diploma makes someone four and a half times more likely to be a homeless adult. Right. So it's it's like it's like the electrical bill thing, but blown up. That's it's exactly, like that's it's like exactly. you're you're like behind before you even get started. That's exactly right. And right now, kind of going back to the other issue of this homogeneous approach to homelessness where we are only focused on our community members and our neighbors that are unsheltered. I mean I live in Eastside Costa Mesa Project Hope is at 19th and Placentia. Yep, right here. Every day I drive by neighbors who yes. are homeless, sleeping on the streets. Yep. And it's so critically important as a nation that we do not allow for anyone to live that way. Correct. I think it is completely un-American. I agree. Um, you know, when we deconstructed our mental health care system. Oh, that was really kind of the, that was what kind of started this, right? Yes. In a large, in yes. large part. Absolutely. For one sector right. like, of again, the homeless population. Not because it's not, because, right, it's not one right, size fits all. Right. right. So that exacerbated a problem. A hundred percent. But we also have to start focusing, to your point, on this ginormous wave of homeless adults that are sitting next to our children in class every day who are smart, who are worthy of the same things our right. own children are worthy of. And who have unlimited potential. Right. But whose futures are now being um, jeopardized jeopardized and put in danger by the fact that they don't have a place to live or sleep at night. So they're worried about where they're sleeping. And to your stat, one out of every six children in the state of California lives in poverty. And our state has the highest level of homelessness. Is it among the the child population? Yeah. In the nation? In the entire country, (laughs) our state has the highest ratio of homeless children. How is, why is that? I just, that's blowing my mind. It should blow your mind. And it's not okay. No, it's not okay at all. And And aren't we like the wealthiest state or one of them? I mean, isn't our GDP like the same as a country? Oh, like, I mean, it's it's, it's the same as, as most of the world. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out where we drop the ball here. Well, we've dropped the ball in one thinking that there's one homogeneous population. So that's one way. And allowing our children to remain invisible. 
And why do we do that? Because we just don't want to think about it? I think so. Okay, well, that's messed up. But as you know, because you've been on this journey with me since day one, another thing that we know alternatively is that when we make the invisible visible, especially this community has shown the most generous support. Oh, my gosh. Right. So there is always hope. I refuse to believe that we are just spinning no, I don't want to give wind. up, but I'm just no, mad. No, no, no. But well, I'm, like, but I'm angry should, about it, but I'm not be, like saying, throwing up my hands, like, forget it. We're not going to address it. We should it, be but. incredibly mad, right? I mean, you can talk to Principal Bolton just to yeah. like speak at a, at a micro level. Yes. And he will tell you that he can write down the names of at least 100 of his students experiencing homelessness, which is why Project Hope is literally, we have an office there, on at Harbor's Harbor campus. High School. We have an office at Enton. Yep. We have an office at Costa Mesa Middle and Costa Mesa High. And we just went on to an elementary school campus doing life with, with the youth and kids there. And 100% of our kids are graduating from high school, reducing the likelihood that they'll be a homeless adult by four and a half percent. So we know what to do. Okay. We just need to get off of our butts and do it. Right. And this model, could it work everywhere? Yes. Okay. Is it working anywhere else? I mean, is that it, are other agencies in other countries or not countries, states? countries would be great too, but states, yeah. um, doing this kind of work too. I mean, cause I know that you go to Washington, right. you go to a lot of different conferences and you speak. Are other people pursuing this model? Not the way we're doing it. Okay. Uh, Latin American Youth Center in Washington, D.C., who's been one of our amazing partners, created this on-site model where you go onto a campus, okay. the Promotor Pathway. Okay. We actually were privileged to be able to partner with them. And we have morphed and adapted and built out their model to be inclusive of junior high and high schoolers. And it's a more it sounds like elementary, maybe now. A yeah, little that's bit down. Our, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we partnered with Second Harvest Food Bank, and so we actually fully staff a perishable food pantry that Second Harvest puts the food in, and we use that as an opportunity to do a housing assessment, and then if we find that the families are experiencing homelessness, we go in and meet with the teachers, and then we do an educational assessment, and then we bring educational interventions in to catch the kids up, because our thought is if we're there starting in kindergarten, following these kids, right? So the next logical place to do this would be at Ray Elementary, Pomona yep, Elementary, exactly. Lincoln Elementary, because those are feeding into the junior high campuses yep. that we're on, then to the high school campuses. So our kids know that they have someone who has their back through the whole education system okay. and that anything is possible for them in that space because they have a partner. I think one of the stats that I remember reading, and it's through the work um, that you're doing, is that the average child who's experiencing homelessness, and again, this is with the inclusive, which sounds like now nationally is recognized. Or well, in we're some hoping ways. we're waiting. It will go. It's going. And and anyone listening, if you yep. wouldn't mind writing a letter, okay, to your state representative expressing your desire for them to vote in support of the Every Student Succeeds Act. Every Student Succeeds Act. And it's a bipartisan piece of legislation. And the only way we're actually going to ever end homelessness is if we pass this legislation and we show up for the kids. And how, um, like, what's the time horizon on this? Is this, like, going to be on the floor in the next um, session? We're hoping in the fall. Okay. There's been a lot of stuff going on in Washington lately. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me rolling on that conversation. But But back to your stat. Okay. Yes. Back to the stat. So average of two years behind. Yeah, that's right. In school. That's right. And so, and again, it's just like that stupid electric bill where you get behind and then it like all these other bad things are levied on top of that. Like in this case, it's like falling further and further behind, maybe dropping out because you can't even get to school sometimes because you have unstable housing or transportation. So, you know, to me, I've always admired the work of Project Hope Alliance because you're getting in there to break the cycle in meaningful ways. So you get the family stable because, you know, and everyone should go to the projecthopealliance.org website so you can see the program. So you've got um, the family stability program where you provide working you know, functionally homeless working families with that first and last right. and getting them into that housing. And and I don't want to quote like numbers, but I'm going to, and then you can fact check me. But I remember it was like 2000 or under dollars 
ish, approximately, yeah. Yeah. Um, to get someone into that stable housing, right? Like, and just to get them that start, right? And that like that foot up, you know. And I'm like, you know, again, we live in a very affluent area, and I'm not saying I'm going to go burn two hundred dollars or two thousand dollars in the street right now, but I mean, come on, like that is a small price to pay for changing the life of a family. That's absolutely right. And then to to go off of that, those families, over 85% of them are financially independent and remain stably housed more than two years after us putting them into housing. I mean, you want to talk about a return on your investment. I mean, that's, that stat is amazing. And you guys, and you all track it. So this is like, yep. you guys, this is when we're talking about this, isn't just some random number that Project Hope Alliance picked. This is longitudinal studies and showing an 86% success rate. No, it's incredible. I mean, the 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 thing is, is that when you look at 100% of our kids graduating from high school, we're catching kids up in elementary, so they're not even behind in junior high. We're looking at, and and some other data that specifically relates to children and youth experiencing homelessness is the amount of tardies and absences oh, that they okay. have. Because if you could imagine, like I know we used to, it's called couch surfing. Yes. So there were different friends right. that, of my parents. Who took you in, let's Who say. took us in because we didn't have money to pay for the motel that night. And so a lot of times it was like in Garden Grove. It was never You're usually not by your in Huntington. Be like a forty-five minute drive from your school, That's, and you don't have money. My parents didn't have money for gas to take us to school, right? And so. This happens to our kids all the time. Something that's been really incredible is when we started actually being on the school campus in high school and being able to give kids things like bus passes. And sometimes our case managers literally go and drive to Garden Grove and pick up the kids and bring them wow. to school okay. or send an Uber to pick them up and get them to school. Their um, a attendance has almost tripled within one year just because of that very thing. And when you look at absences in early grades, they have a really lasting and um, strong impact. Among third grade students, those who were not chronically absent in kindergarten and first grade were three and a half times more likely to read on grade level wow. than their peers who were chronically absent both years. And sadly, we have homeless children who are chronically ha absent 64% of the school year versus 17% of a school oh, a year for a house, right? Yes. And so if we if we just start investing early, it's not right. going to cost us in Orange County, the cost study on homelessness found a few things that were, you know, really kind of alarming. Uh, I found number one, that those that were identified as being homeless in Orange County have lived here for more than seven years. So they're really Orange County residents. They, they just didn't get here no. and say we're from Orange no County. One I mean, they stuck are them on a bus. Exactly, they them. are Orange County residents. That's right. Again, twenty thousand kids, probably way underreported. Oh, right. Of so, course. Yeah. I mean, no, we probably didn't report. That. There were four kids in my family. Right. We got to talk about your story too, because I want to hear the firsthand yeah. for people. So. Early intervention is Early inter key. It, it's incredibly key. It's costing us just in Orange County over $30 million a year for our neighbors to be homeless. I mean, $30 million. Dollars. A fiscal conservative has, even if you're fiscally conservative. That's right. Which I need to be because apparently <laughs> I looked at my bank account. But I'm just saying, let's yes. say I were fiscally conservative, yes. all my friends who are, um, how can you not get behind the ROI on this thing? It's like no, that's the upfront investment. Yes, to to save you know millions of dollars a year. It's like it just makes good fiscal sense. It too. does. And if you look at let let's look at our place based work where 100 percent of our kids are graduating from high school, reducing the likelihood that they'll be a homeless adult by like 400 yes. percent. Yeah, million percent. Okay. Um, that was a fact. That that's only 400 percent. Okay, <laughs> I won't. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we won't do that NPR fact, fact. Thank check you. On that. All right, or Dak Shepard. Yeah, yeah we won't do his fact stuff. check. Okay. No. Um, it only costs like $2,500 a year for that kid to have someone who's making sure that they're on grade, they're in school, they have some type of a life passion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you, my daughter's a marching band. Yes. Marching band costs money. 
Yeah. You have to buy shoes. Then you have to have someone drive you to the competition. Right. It's an investment of time and money. It is. But that is such a beautiful way for her to be part of her school community. And it builds a type of passion inside of her for not only music, but but her future and having a tribe and feeling belonging. Like Brene Brown says, belonging. That's right. It's so important. And I bet you a lot of these homeless kids feel like they don't belong. No, but you know what's really cool is. I'm not going to name which yeah. activities they're okay. involved in, but they're involved in, in the probably, same activities that yeah. my, my kids, kids your and your kids, kids. Yep. like, you know, Jeannie, like that's, right. I go to the, the football games and sometimes our kiddos are sitting mm-hmm. in front of us and I have to go back later and tell the case manager to let them know that I'm not spying on them. Right. Like, like just, I'm just, there, just, just I'm, there is a mom, on. you know, and there right. is like a supporter of the high school. I mean, but that's incredible to your point. Mm-hmm. To a fiscally conservative... Yeah, everyone should be able to get behind this, I think, 100%. because whether you're doing it from like the, you know, as people might call me a bleeding heart liberal, you know, <laughs> just to play broad brushstrokes. I love your beautiful heart. Right. Thank you. Or a fiscally, fiscally conservative person or wherever you may fall between. Right. It's like, it just makes good sense on a, hum, a humane human level yep. and on the financial level. And we keep saying that our children are our future and then we could sing right. Whitney we, Houston song. Correct. Right? All day long. Well, if they we really doing? if they really are, then why don't we make sure that that they aren't homeless adults? Exactly. Instead, they can change our world with their creativity and their entrepreneurial Amen. skill and their resiliency. I mean, I'll admit, I read all these lame books about how to instill grit in your kids because my children's lives are very different right. than Same. mine was. We don't have to read a book or go to a Harvard seminar to learn how to instill grit right. in the kids that Project Hope gets to journey and do life with. Yes. They've already got it. Oh my gosh, they've got grit times 10. Yep. Can we talk about your grit? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about your story. And I had known your husband through work, through real estate. And met you, and all I knew was that you were like a high-powered lawyer and partner in a law firm, specializing, I think, in like construction or real estate law or yeah. something like that. Okay, but then I remember like learning your story, and it was really shocking to me because someone was looking at me, you know, from across that table, like which was you, um, who like looked like me and like was super successful. And I remember just kind of blowing my mind about like this person could have been homeless, like, and she was in Huntington and I'm like here in Newport. And like, so can we just talk about like how that happened to you and what that experience felt like for you? Yeah. And your brothers. Before I do that, I want to thank you because it was your um, support and encouragement and love that gave me the courage to tell my story. Oh my gosh, you're giving me way too much credit. No, I, no, no, no. I, I but think, I love you for I, saying that. I, but I mean, it was really just but God's th- in the universe's time for yeah, that story to be coming out. But I think it's important for all of us, just as friends and as women, to realize the great opportunities that we have to encourage and speak into one another's lives. And I just want to thank you for that and I think it's important that when people do that that we call it out because it it could be encouraging for someone listening who may have the opportunity that you had to encourage me do you right know that's I mean? true so I will you will say that. thank you yes and I'm really proud of you and I'm like honored that you trusted me in those moments to tell your story and I remember the process and wanting to honor your mom Mm-hmm. And also your dad, who I think had recently passed yeah, he when had we were passed, talking. He had passed mm-hmm. away. And so to kind of get to the yes. the grit Take us of there. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up uh, going, I went to Woodland okay. for second and um, third grade. Really funny. I have no idea where I went to kindergarten or first grade. I need to like look it up. I just I have no. Okay? I mean, that was 100 years ago. Let's right. be clear. I mean, but I don't know. Um, and f- true story, I lived on Santiago, which is oh right gosh. around the corner from where I live now. So that's kind of funny. Uh, then we moved to East Ocean Front. Okay. And no, also, no, we moved to Bay Shores. Okay. Not Bay Shores, Newport Shores first. And that's when I started going to Newport L. Okay. And then we moved to East Oceanfront. We lived in this house that was like this I mean, five bedroom yeah, house. Yeah, for people that don't live locally, like it's a just an amazing, like kind of quintessential SoCal beach, you know, 
affluent. I mean, it was a nice. This is, this is the the it place was a nice to place, be. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to Newport Elementary for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And when I was in sixth grade, all of a sudden I started noticing that like food wasn't going back in the refrigerator. Like we were eating it, but my mom wasn't putting like replenishing. And you noticed it. that, yeah. Okay. And so I was kind of like. Oh, I don't know. Like, what's up? And I would started. My mom would pack me kind of like weird lunches, like not stuff that's not a really full a lunch scale lunch. That I mean, you it'd were be like half of to. a baked potato that we ate the night before, okay. right? Yeah. And so, so it's different. Yeah, and then uh, our electricity got shut off. And again, this is a five bedroom house on the water. Yeah, and then our gas got shut off, and then our running water got shut off. I have three brothers. I'm the oldest and the only girl. And what we used to do for a shower is we would put on our bathing suits and houses that are on the water outdoor showers. have outdoor showers. This house was extra fancy. So it had like a access to a shower that was in the house, but it was off the alley, right? Like you opened a door off the alley and then there was like a covered, like a nice shower. My dad would take our hose and hook it up at night to our neighbor's like hose okay. socket. Yeah. My brothers and I would all put on our bathing suits and he would literally hose us down. But we're living in this. Are you talking about this as a family as it's happening? No. No. So you just knew that you didn't. I mean. So you're we, not like, mom and dad, why is this happening? You just kind of didn't want to hurt I, their we, feelings? Or? I just knew. I okay. Mean, so you had some kind of awareness. Yeah. So then we started back to the scrappy part. Yeah. My brothers and I figured out that if we blocked off the parking spaces in front of our house. Okay. We could get 20 bucks from anyone who wanted to park there. Oh, for beach parking. Yeah. So I say 20 now, probably the time Whatever, was like, but like five. five but- okay, but it was, so we started doing that so we could buy food. And then one of my brothers brought home like the class pet. And then we made a little stand on the boardwalk and let people pet for, the like class a, for a dollar. Okay, so basically this like giving rise we to entrepreneurship through grit. You know what? And and my and that's why I'm saying that our kids, the Project Hope kids, are rad. And if there we are, just give them a shot, yeah, they're going to be they'll do this. just fine. Are you at this time, though, so you're not talking about it as a family? And I, we're certainly not telling anyone outside of the house. So are you feeling like what are the feelings that are happening? Are there, I was is there terrified. fear? Is there shame? Is there all of it? So um, it was incredibly overwhelming. I was trying to figure out how I could make money for my family. And you're like in seventh, sixth, sixth, grade. sixth grade. Okay. Um, and I am trying to like make it so my brothers don't figure out what's going on, like make games of it or like, oh, the the water because they were little like they're we're like camping. kindergarten we're having a fun yeah camping or trip. or there's something wrong with the water line right or the electricity the house like the wires were getting the yes. wires fixed or whatever so sh- shielding them yeah and and I mean you know me well I'm not a liar I mean no. I know I was a trial lawyer and some may say <laughs> that that is no. Um, no, you have a you have the utmost integrity, but so that was a hard to lie to your it brothers. Was inc- it was hard to lie to everyone. Yeah, because you're lying to your friends I'm lying too, to, right? Yes. Yeah, so my so friends, no friends would are coming come over. over. No, because you got the beach house. I yes. want to come over to your house. Well, so they could come over until it started to get dark. Oh, and you're like, you better go home quick, right? Because we have no lights. And what's interesting is, as a result of Project Hope, um, I reconnected with my neighbor who lived across the alley from me, and she's like the loveliest person in the entire world. Um, cause she was a Harbor mom. Uh, and anyway, so, so we got evicted from that house. So one day we came home so like a notice and there's a notice on the door and then we're trying to pack all of our stuff. And then the marshal comes and says, you have to get out now. So we got a truck and basically you just shoved everything in the truck and my parents put it in the storage unit. And we went to a motel because we didn't have anywhere to stay. Well, everything that was in that storage unit, we didn't have money. Again, it's really expensive to be poor. Right. Because the storage unit's not cheap. They're you not can't cheap. pay for it. They seize your stuff, right? So we lost everything. I mean, I, like yeah, all of our everything. childhood pictures, all of our furniture, whatever didn't fit in our car, we lost. And then um, my dad was an entrepreneur. 
And so he was in cell phones before, like, even the giant brick phones that people wow. so carried around. Wow, so he was a, in tech. Yeah. And he um, needed to be fiscally conservative, and he was not. So we either had money or we literally had no money at all. So we lived in a motel for um, a summer, and my dad got some money to rent another house. And so we went to Huntington. Okay. And I started going to Dwyer. So I was in seventh grade and we got evicted from that house and all the stuff that we had repurchased again, gone. Yeah. Cause it went to storage and yeah. we couldn't afford to pay for it. So you're basically starting over like every, every six months from the bottom. So we would have a house, like we had a house in Seacliff. That was like five bedrooms, literally had no furniture in it. We were sleeping on the floor on like blankets the the amount of um it's hard enough to be a girl in junior high uh, it's yeah um but the amount of shame and you know now i can kind of admit it more freely because both of my parents have passed away mm-hmm. But the anger that you feel, like, what the heck? Like, why? I'm supposed to be able to trust you, and you're taking care of me. And my mom was working so hard as a preschool teacher. I mean, and and preschool teachers have one of the most important jobs, and they don't get paid anything. It's, yeah. Uh, That's another problem that we could talk about all day long. Yes. Teachers getting underpaid. Yes. Um, And, you know, there weren't cell phones then, so our phone was always shut off. So people would want to call, and no one could call. And then people would want to spend the night or come over, but we don't have any furniture and we don't have any food. It's embarrassing. So we would go from house to motel to house to motel. This one motel at the Tropic when I was in seventh grade, um, it's still there in Garden Grove. And that's what the multimedia art installation piece, Mm -hmm. um, 214 214. square feet. Um, and that's at Second Harvest Food Bank, actually on display. So people can go see it they if can. they want. So it's called 214 square feet, and it's a very realistic replica. Yeah. I mean, I didn't live it, so you're t- you should say it's realistic. It's it is. Realistic. It's based on the Claire Trevor School of the Arts at UCI um, did it. It's based on the motel room at the Tropic Motel that my family of six lived in for a year. Um, and and just to remind you, the name is 214 square feet because that's how big it is. And so that's a family of six. Six. I mean, and being a teenage girl, you know, not to be whatever, but like things that are going on when you're in seventh grade with your body. Oh, my gosh. You got three brothers. Yeah, and you so love you, them. But I mean, there's no privacy. No. And at night you take the beds apart. So my brother Jack and I slept on the floor on the mattress and then my other two brothers slept on the box springs and then my parents slept on the bed next to that. And this is the time when people are having sleepovers and, and, and the motels all the way in Garden Grove, but we only have enough money for gas to get us to school, my mom to work one way and then back. So after school, we'd go to the city gym until it closed at eight o'clock at night. And then my dad would pick us up and then we'd go back to the motel and I remember my dad saying to me because the keeping up the lie was, was that exhausting. important was that important to who everybody to keep up the lie like it was so I told my dad I was just gonna tell people I'm like I and my brothers didn't they were little they don't know right like your parents tell you hey say that we're staying here and they're like okay okay I said to my dad, I'm like, I'm done. I can't, I can't lie anymore. Like, and he said, people won't like you if you tell them the truth. That's really hard to hear. Well, I'm kind of, I mean, I get yeah. where he's coming from, but that message is terrible. It's terrible. And, and, you know, and I shared this with you when I was 42 years old, you know, like that's eight years ago. I believe that. Well, it's and your dad I telling still, you. I still have even as much work as I've done on that. There's still a part of me that believes that I get being a parent. 
I get my dad believed he was protecting me. Of course, me. he wasn't doing it out of some weird ill will. But that narrative. Oh, it's terrible. It's a this, tape that just keeps it on plays playing. It a place, which means that you feel like an imposter your entire life. Right. And you feel like if people really knew who you were, they the wouldn't real like you. you. They, wouldn't they wouldn't like you. you. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't respect you. you. They wouldn't love you because you're not worthy of it. Yeah. Just I mean, because who you are that's as a so person. toxic. And this is what our kids are experiencing. Yeah. So that so now and, and the thing is, how amazing, sad, amazing that you've been through this yourself, right? We've talked about yeah. the fact that you are very humble and you don't want to necessarily have it be about you. But you know, I would argue, as I think everyone else does, and I think now you've embraced that you're such a qualified, pre preordained, predestined voice for this these kids and these families. To think about how scared you were, how ashamed you were, how you're like dissembling everything so everyone can pretend like everything's fine. Mm -hmm. That takes so much energy. (sighs) And then you're also dealing with being an adolescent. And so these kids that we need to help and these families, like they're all feeling this. This brutal like sadness, fear, self-loathing, maybe Mm -hmm. resentment. Like we gotta, we gotta stop this. Well, the thing is, is that when you have the honor of of looking a kid in the face, saying, "I know what your housing mm-hmm. situation is," but that has nothing to do with who you are, it changes the narrative in their head, right? So, are you able now to heal? Yep. Your yeah, that message from your dad who, again, which was not Ill, Ill intended. No, but it it is. It's and that's so as you know, and you mentioned I. And I said, I was a lawyer. Yes. So I remember at the Tropic Motel having a conversation with myself because I, I had tried out for a school play and I had gotten the part that I wanted. But in order to be in the school play, oh my gosh, I had to go to rehearsals. Yeah. And my parents didn't have the money to be able to take on that thing. So in that film, that short film, The Invisible mm-hmm. Girl. Yes. It, Which is it still on the website so it people is. can watch yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's on our YouTube channel. Okay, it's a ten Project minute. Hope. It's basically like a ten minute film, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Invisible it's Girl. Yeah. And it's Jennifer's story, and I just really advise you to get on the Project Hope Alliance website on their YouTube channel and yeah. watch it. But I, I had this conversation with myself, and I was like, should I even keep trying? What is the point? Are you in? This is your junior high. Yeah, you're already going to maybe give up because it's just it's, yep. everything's too big and too hard. Well, you know and how too, much that hurts when you want something. You get it, and you get it, and you can't have and it, and you can't have it because you're a kid and you have no control over your financial situation. And so for me, it actually was um, at a really honest conversation with God. And what I heard back was, it's not always going to be like this. Like, hang in there. Make a plan. It's not always going to be like this. So my plan was I needed a job that I would make enough money that if, you know, my man, which my man's rad, so he would never do this. If my man bailed on me, I could buy a house. I could pay all my bills. I could put kids through college. And then my dad used to say I needed a job that paid by the word. So I decided, Okay, I, I, you know, I went to Golden West College because I didn't have any money. Plus, my grades were trashed. Well, because you were experiencing what these homeless kids well, are. 100%. It's like, I, like, like we're going to do homework. Able- Did you do homework in the bathtub? I think I remember talking about this at the motel. Yeah, because they're the only place with a door is the bathroom. So I would how take my How are you going to get good grades? I mean, how are no. you going to keep up even? No, especially math and science. So... I've been blessed to be able to talk relatively well and and read a lot of information and synthesize it. So I could be AP English, Model United Nations, AP okay. class, A's, no problem. I think I've taken algebra, no joke, <laughs> like five times. Right. So my senior year, I'd gotten selected to give the graduation speech and I was flunking out of high school. Because I had an F in geometry and you had to pass geometry to graduate. And so fortunately, my math teacher was retiring and I went to her and I I told no one because I didn't want to be any more of a burden to my parents than their life already was. And so I was like, hey, um, yeah, I'm supposed to give the speech tomorrow. And I think I'm flunking out of school because I have an F in this class. So she gave me a passing grade so that I could graduate. Okay, God bless her. Seriously, right? Yes. 
So then I went to Golden West, worked full time, went to school full time, then transferred to UCI, um, went to school full time, worked full time, and then went to law school. And then I was like, see, because I thought I had to prove my worth. So right, I was you're feeling unworthy. So you're like, you 100%. know what? What's the how am I gonna get from A to B and just yep. show my worthiness at every turn? Yep, like, that's right. And put on my Brooks and Brothers. And chase that, right? Yeah. And that, you know, again, Exhausting. there's pride, but exhaustion and really not in alignment probably you could do not it you all. degraded it but not in alignment with your purpose and who you are it, it doesn't it doesn't align so that doesn't feel good all. even though it looks no. great no nope uh and so i made partner um at 38 of my firm which is amazing and then um i my dad died suddenly had a brain aneurysm and that's kind of when we started yes, being talking. friends mm-hmm. uh and then i was on the board of project hope as a volunteer and then um, we built that art piece, and then yes. you, you helped bring the register. And your brothers out. helped. They paid for it. Yeah, they've so, all I mean, done incredibly like, well. So they all right, went. and it's all of you have. Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of like amazing to me. You know, not amazing because I know who you are and the grit. And it, and I think that's another message that I was blown away about all of you being so high functioning and successful, high achievers. But this is what these kids can do with our help, right? <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's exactly. You right. all are a testament to that. That's exactly right. So anyway, sorry. So they helped fund and get this installation built. Yeah, they paid for it. We brought the newspaper out to talk about the intersection of my brothers paying for it, like business community, UCI making it, and then Project Hope needing to be able to tell a story. And then instead what happened was I ended up sharing my story with Greg Hardesty. Yes, who's amazing and still writes. He's incredible. He was the per- the person to tell yeah. the story. Yeah. Yes, unquestionably. And then he's like, okay, that's the story. So are you good with that? Because I'm not interested at all in like the, this the intersection pitch. of, so, like yeah. this is like, and I had actually prayed before. I knew something was up. Um, every time at church, everyone's talking about Esther, um, Kelly, mm-hmm. who's now one of my best friends, preached this sermon, such a time as this, about living this duality of, you know, um, Esther was Jewish, but then she was the queen, and, and I was a partner at a law firm, but I was a homeless kid. Like, what does that look like? So I told him the story. And he wrote it so beautifully, it ended up on the front page of the newspaper. And then I saw... In the same way, I saw how people responded to it. Yes. And it eliminated, not for you, because that's not who you are, but for right. other people, it eliminated excuses of why they shouldn't be compelled right. to end homelessness. And that's why you've been called to this. Yep. So I, I mean, resigned from my partnership. It'll be seven years uh, this January. And you sometimes say you're a recovering attorney. I feel like <laughs> yes. I heard you say that. I am a recovering attorney. I used to wonder if... Like I blew it for the first part of my life because I went into the law, but it's really the opposite. My clients, so to speak, are our unseen children in America experiencing mm-hmm. homelessness. And it is my zealous advocacy yes. um, that gives me my purpose and my calling. Right. I mean, there's never, um, I don't believe in like mistakes and things no. like that, right? I mean, no. I mean, you make mistakes, but I don't believe that there's not a purpose to everything. Right. So to me, Yep. Like it's all training, yep. right? Yep. And I guess I want to talk about, I want to, at the end, I want to talk about how people can help. Okay. Mostly. Yes. You know, with Project yes, Hope Alliance and get involved. But I want to talk about just from a personal perspective, like I think the leap of faith that you took, well, it wasn't, you already had your faith, but you know what I mean? Like the leap you took. It was terrifying. Leap of career, right? <laughs> so like, how, was that scary? It was terrifying. Tell me why. It was terrifying because that narrative of, um, You know, you have to be able to make enough money to take care of yourself and to take care. You know, I had two kids when I was going through this decision making process. Um, Also, too, this narrative that, you know, how you show up like in your clothes and are you put together and what you look like on the outside, like this armor. I had quite literally yeah, like these suits, these this corporate suits, suiting, my, like, this Hermes attache is probably, a, and, a, a, like, it's armor. 100%. Just like a house in Seacliff is armor and inside there's nothing in there. I mean, to that, me, it's like. But that's right though, right? How apt is that, right? Because that is not who I am. No. And I've never been that person. No. And it felt very incongruent yes. for me to be exhausting myself 
with chasing the appearances, something chasing that, it, that you I didn't, didn't care about. Yeah. No, I didn't. It doesn't matter how good you are at but it. But it's terrifying. So I was, you know, nonprofit, you're not really in it for the money. No, I mean, right? like going from so, a partner in a law firm to nonprofit to the pay scale is very not, different. Yes, it's 100% <laughs> different. Um, and, you know, my husband and I had built like a life yes. that, that, um, necessitate like i we both had yes, good the incomes. life it kind of expands to you know like yes like your purse if right? you have a little purse yeah. you'll only have a couple things right you buy one of those big you're gonna like, fill it up 100 percent. Yeah. right uh so we did that so no it was terrifying very terrifying and at the end of the day for me it came because i knew i was being called to it i couldn't i couldn't ignore, ignore it. it yeah so to me at the end of the day it was like do I really believe God is good and that calling me to this? My purpose is bigger and I am worthy, not because of the stuff or right. the title. Just, uh, who I am. Just, just because me. me. Yeah. And so um, fortunately, I have a husband who was like, he did all the math and he was like, we could live on credit cards for a year if we have to. Like we had it. I but mean, so, but this but, was but a that's real. That's great. So you're in partnership making 100%. this decision, which I think yeah. a lot of people like, and I'm guilty in the past of not being in partnership on big decisions. And that's such a mistake. So being in partnership is Well, huge. I couldn't. I mean, we had to make a dramatic life change. Right. Um, it was the scariest thing I've ever done and the most liberating and Was it and scarier than being thing. homeless? Yeah. Okay. Because I had control over this decision. I didn't oh, have right. control okay, over really, being homeless. That's a big distinction. So, and I was knowingly putting myself by and taking such a huge pay cut mm-hmm. and my family in a situation. And this was when the market crashed and you yes. noted that my husband's in real estate. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so this was like... not the prime time <laughs> no. to do this. Okay. Um, And we as friends talked through some of that. Um, but yeah, it was because I was in control of the decision yes. that made it a lot scarier. And so would you tell other people, like, let's say someone's not, they don't, maybe they're not attuned to like the calling piece from whatever, right. whatever their belief system is. Right. Yeah. But if they feel like intrinsically, mm-hmm. like, I'm just not doing the right thing. Like I'm doing well at it, but it's not me. And I really, when I, you know, in the deep dark of night, I think about becoming, yeah. X, Y, and Z. Right. Like, what do you tell those people? To do it. Okay. I mean, the truth of the matter is we're better partners, friends, parents, community members when what we do and what we say is in alignment with who we are. Yeah. So there's never going to be a time that someone's going to be able to be um, their most effective or impactful person. If they're not in alignment. If there's a disconnect between that. So if if there's someone who's thinking, and this is different from like, uh, wow, it would be really cool to be an ukulele artist. So I don't know how to right. play, but I'm going to quit my day gig. Yeah. And then no, I'm going to go responsible. tour. I mean, the, obviously yes. you took steps, right? And had conversations and thought went yeah, into but, it. But we know when who we're being and who we are are out of whack. Yep. And... And so just listen for that, right? right. Like wherever that's coming from, like whether you have a, mm-hmm. uh, your faith, you have a faith and it's coming from all sorts of directions right. or you're hearing it, voices just not, yeah. I mean, you know, not voices, voices but I mean, you know what I mean, <laughs> in your heart. Yes. Soul stirrings, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I do believe if we show up as as the unique, like 100% us as mm-hmm. we can, like that's perfect for everybody. I mean, it's great it for everybody. It is though. And the thing that's amazing is that the people who are around you are stoked because they're like, that's the you that I love. Yeah, like I, this it's other even more nonsense, you. right? Yeah. Like this other stuff. Yeah. I'm not totally. Like I'm I've not been into getting Jennifer it. on level five, but now I get like a level ten Jennifer. Like, yes, please. Because we we know. I think as humans, if we allow for ourselves to connect with people, mm. we know who they really are, yeah. and we give them a lot of grace when they're not being who they really are. Yes, but when we get to be who we are. It's good for everyone. Agreed. Yeah. So you wouldn't change a thing. Oh my gosh, no. Okay. It's the greatest blessing of my life. Okay. So great. Yeah. Um. So back to the greatest blessing of your life: this work that you do, Project Hope Alliance. Can you tell our audience, like, what are some of the ways that they can get involved and help? I mean, money's always 
right? I would think. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Money is always. I mean, you know, it's not. This work has to be fueled by, by our community something. by donation. So Correct. whether it's someone donating ten dollars that allows for us to get the school supplies that you mm-hmm. know a third grader needs for their project. Uh, or it's $2,500 that allows for us to do life with the youth experiencing homelessness and yes. getting them to high school graduation. That's amazing. But we also really need mentors. So I talked a little bit okay. about... The, the promoter, how do you say it? Is it promoter or promotor? It's promotor pathway. Okay. And that's with our junior high and high schoolers. Okay, but, but it's our talking, little peanuts, Oh, like the, the bright start? Yeah, the bright start kiddos, okay. which are K through sixth grade. Okay. So those are our kids who are engaging in our online multilingual curriculum to catch okay. them up. Because okay. on average, two, two to years three behind. Yeah, school years behind. Okay. But then we put someone, a loving adult, in their life who reads to them. We build a elementary library. So we give the mentors, we train them, we give them curriculum outlines and guidelines, and then we give them a book for um, every month and they read to their kids. And we have some mentors who've been doing it for four years. That's so great. I mean, and they are transforming. We had this one little girl, um, I'll call her Miss V. Okay. So Miss V was was not literate at all. So okay. she was the lowest reader in her entire class. And she got this amazing mentor, this woman who would meet her in the library and would read to her a lot. Well, one day Miss V came in with this little plastic medal, like those cheesy ones that our kids love and yeah, want to oh keep gosh, forever and ever. I actually, no offense, I would love to get a plastic medal as well. <laughs> so anyone listening okay. that has one, would bring it over and send award it, it to me. Send Thank it you. It doesn't, doesn't even matter what it's for. <laughs> Her breathing. She's a plastic medal. Done. Well, Miss V had a plastic medal and it said number one reader. What? She had read more AR books than any other kid oh, in the entire gosh. classroom by the end of the year. And so this mentor like got to actually see the tremendous impact that she had. And what's so beautiful is that it's just one hour. It's one hour a week. Okay. One year commitment. Okay. We go to where the kids are. Okay. Um, so sometimes we meet in libraries. Sometimes we meet at maybe the Boys and Girls Club if they're there for awesome. after school. I loved the Boys and Girls Club. Really helped me when I was younger. Yeah. It's my safe place to go. No, that's loved right. It. And that's the library right. too. Yeah, yeah, I love the library. Libraries are so important so for important. our kids, especially Agreed. experiencing homelessness. Yes. There's computer. There's a printer. Right. All of these things. That, oh, that's a good point too. I love that. And there's Wi-Fi. So we have a lot of kids who are sleeping in cars. You have access. Nope. No, but everything in our education system, especially once you get to junior high, it's all on the internet. Yeah. But for these Bright Start kids. We give them a Chromebook with a Wi-Fi brick. So that way they can take their education with them wherever they are. Okay. And then a mentor. So we have kids on the waiting list that are just waiting for some listener right now. To go on to It's only project, one hour a week? One hour a week. For a school year commitment? A calendar yeah, year? A what whole is year. Calendar year okay. commitment. Okay. Yeah. And um, you go, obviously, background check, obviously, yes. is going to happen. Um, DOJ, and, yep, fingerprint. Right. Which I've done all that for all the volunteering, yep. and it's great. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Yeah. Um, and then you get trained. So yes. it's not like you're like, I mean, I know how to read a book to a kid, but like you get yeah, trained in you this feel particular. to do okay. it. I mean, because there's some like trauma informed sensitivities That's and right. things like yeah. that. And, and how if a child shares information with you, because we've had kids, you uh-huh. know, share like, like, how do you process that? Like, we're, and we're that? there. We just, we jump in is okay. what happens. Yes. Um, it's really a fun thing. We had Sounds one amazing. mentor that just met mom and the peanut who he's okay. mentoring at a community pool. And he just taught the peanut how to swim because this Aww. mentor was also a water polo coach. I mean, perfect. So, I mean, that, so what qualifications to be a mentor, you be an adult. You get the background check. 18 Get the background and check. Okay. And be kind. Well, geez. Okay. <laughs> you know, I yeah, mean. Yeah, no, that's really it. Have a yeah. heart, right? Yeah, so we have kids on the waiting okay, list right so now. Okay, bright so Bright Start mentors are yeah. needed. Money's yeah. always needed. Are you still doing the backpack drive right now? Yes, and in fact, uh, Miss Caitlin and her team crushed it. <gasps> Miss Caitlin's uh, here, by the way, yes. doing all the social needs yes. and everything. And we would love to give a shout out to Zillow and oh, National okay. Charity League. So Zillow and NCL National Charity yeah. League did something great. What did they yeah, do? We were able to fully equip 250 kiddos with not only back. Oh, and vans. We have to give like huge love love to vans. 
fans has consistently actually given to us for funny like a while okay um and so not only do they have killer backpacks because think about it right like if you're already in too you don't want some janky backpack our kids want the same of course project hopes they should have the same that's exactly right especially when you've got a tale of two cities in orange county where you've got one out of every six and there's judgment 100 percent. okay and gift cards in there killer backpacks Gift cards for um, Target and Ross, Marshall, so oh they gosh, can get some back-to-school clothes. It's huge also, the back-to-school outfit for that everybody. That is very huge. And then grade-level supplies. Because if you're in kinder, you need the cool crayons. You and need you a need protractor the, in kinder. You do not. Yeah. And you don't I mean, need- I never needed one, just to tell you, because I hated that. Or that crazy situation. calculator that I, I never used because I kept never, flunking Never needed it, because I never went that far. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're thanking Zillow, Vans, and National Charity League for yes. their. And are you still looking for more donations for that program? Backpack, we're closed, okay. but what we do always need as well, though, are personal hygiene items for yeah. teenagers, in okay. particularly teenage girls. Because tampons and pads, tampons, all that stuff is expensive. Pads, panty liners, okay. deodorant, right. face like face, face wash because you figure like you're in junior high and high school and right. you're struggling with acne Ugh. that stuff is really expensive but cvs and rite aid yes. all the time have like neutrogena buy one get one free right cosmetics if you happen to go to sephora or ulta okay. and urban decay has a special little yeah, a little palette makeup or palette thing our our teenage girls would love nothing more than to be able to pull out a lipstick that I their mean, peers hello. have yes normalizing their experience as much as you can while they're present at school is so critical to them eliminating that shame factor right yeah just being seen for who they are so it's not about being just leveling the playing field a little bit that's it right so we always sunscreen right now it's so expensive but it's very expensive and so we have a food and hygiene pantry at project hope yes so we take um, non-perishable food items okay but i would really because at each of the campuses that we're on we keep a, a like a little mini pantry that has snacks like trail mix um like protein bars, deodorants, toothbrushes, toothpaste. Um, Like at Harbor, some of our kids will come and brush their teeth before class because they slept in a car. Um, Those types of things. We're always in need of that kind of stuff. There are like so many ways to help. There are a lot of ways. And it's so so easy. You're already shopping at CVS, which I dread. No offense to CVS, but I'm getting a prescription. I mean, just shooting in the head. Did you um, schedule two hours? I mean, at least. So while you're spending the hour waiting for the prescription that they said was ready, but isn't, (laughs) but they're going to do it right away. It's going to be 15 minutes, but 45. (laughs) Um, Go over to the hygiene section. Go to the two for ones. Just put some, you know, like every time. Yep. That's right. Add a little bit in. You're at Traders and you're picking up trail mix yeah. for your kids' lunches. Yeah, buy an extra bag buy of it. Buy an extra bag of it. Yeah. Right? It's like little wins that we can do throughout the day that make us feel good That's and right. do something for somebody else. And it models to our kids, right? Because if our kids are with us at, at yes. Trader Joe's, we can talk about how it is that we care for one another. Right. That's so And good. how it is that it's so important that we're kind because when you're in class, you don't know what all of of your friends no are bringing to the classroom, right? So if you see someone who doesn't have a lunch that day, maybe you say, hey, you want? I'm not that hungry, okay. you want off my sandwich? Or exactly. hey, let's share, right? So that's a great way to model for our children what our values are about being a kind and caring community. Yes. And it's easy. Right. I love it. And especially, you know, and, and not to get political because I can't. And then it'll be another hour and then you like won't get to help the kids and then Murphy's, you know, <laughs> exhausted. But, um, you know, I think we're such a divided country in so many ways right now. And I think one thing that's missing is like the empathy and kindness across whatever lines that you want to pick. And so this is a great way, like you said, to role model empathy and kindness right. and generosity of spirit and also just kind of having an awareness. Like I want people to look around and see who's around them and what they might need or how they can help because sometimes we get so tunnel vision, whether it's stress or overwhelm or whatever, that we don't notice that the person next to us that needs help. So And it can feel really overwhelming as an adult saying how in the world when I turn on the news and how can we're I talking about how can homelessness as a national epidemic. It is an epidemic. What can I do? Well, you know what? If we're all for the kids together, we yeah. can change the course of generations. Yes. My kids will never be homeless. My nieces and nephews are not going to be no. homeless. Right. And that changes I'm going the course. forward. That's right. And I think, you know, 
the last most recent stat I read was that you all have helped. It's probably way more than this, but at least 700. We're over 2,000. Okay. So now, that's, you know, Carrie's behind on our fact checking. No. Um, but it's but amazing. So over 2,000 families, kids, how do you? Yeah, parents and kids, we've moved out of homelessness into permanent housing with over 85% of them being right. financially. So that's 2,000 helped on the front lines, plus then generationally going forward. And that's, and, you know, again, I'm not a math major. We talked about that. I don't have the calculator that's going to tell me how I do the regressive thing that tells me how many 2,000 becomes. It's like that Fabergé Organics commercial, remember? <laughs> I totally remember um, that. But I mean, I know that's exponentially huge. Oh, my gosh. That's how, if we get upstream, then we're not paying $30 million a year yes. for the downstream stuff, Correct. right? Yep. So we are ending the cycle of homelessness one child at a time. And that's something that our entire community can rise up for and be a part of. And get behind. So ending homelessness one child at a time. You can help in any number of ways. Um, I want to thank Jennifer Friend for doing the work you do for our community and our kids. Um, and also being here today and just being super open with your story and how brave that's been of you throughout all these years that I've known you and continues to be super impactful. So don't stop talking about it. Um, yeah, keep talking, which I know you will and advocating. Um, and just want to say thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Carrie. Okay. Take care. I'll see you soon. Yes. Okay.